What a good word to start with. Today, uh, you can be found in page number 722 in our church Bibles. Be reading from Psalm 145. Uh, I've got a praise to bring up. Our little Gabriel, our grandson, 
Had his surgery last Thursday, and it all went well. Bless the Lord. He's a little uncomfortable still, but everything went well, and he's doing really well. So thank Jesus for that. We're going to keep in our prayers. Uh, Kevin Kohler, who works with Joe, uh, his stage four cancer has come back, I understand. And uh, Joe's trying to be there as a Christian brother to minister to him in this time, so we pray for Joe and for Kevin as God works and does what he, what he wants to do and completes his will. I've got three others on the list. Um, it's kind of interesting, this song. The words in there are, who, he who believes lives forever, for eternity. And I think these three here, um, from what I know, are right there. So they have physical issues. My mom, uh, Carolyn, is getting tired. She's getting tired. Uh, she's doing okay, but I just don't see a lot of will to move forward anymore. But here's the good news. Jesus has done amazing things in her life in the last few months. And so we're, we bless him for that. So our perspective, it can be hard, but from his perspective, bless him, you know, that he would, he would do these things for us eternally. And Lee Martin, we'll continue to pray for um, physical healing there and for that family and for Martin Placentia. Um, hanging in there, good old Martin. We don't know what the Lord's doing. We never know. God's time is perfect. We know that, and we trust in that. So uh, this morning we're going to read verses 10 through 13 of Psalm 145. <clears throat> All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Amen. What an amazing truth. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, uh, forgive us for being so earthly-minded sometimes uh, in these difficult situations, uh, but we do know and we trust in who you are, in your perfect will, in your perfect timing, and, Lord, your promises. We trust with all we have, with all our might, and we hold on to him with, with everything in us. This promise for eternal life, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the amazing plan that you came with and that you continue to come with. If we'll come and walk with you, Lord Jesus, and believe, not in just belief, but in a living way, live our lives as we believe, Lord Jesus, eternity is there. Bless you for that. We pray uh, for these this morning, for Kevin, for Carolyn, for Lee, for Martin. Lord, none of these things surprise you. None of these things take you off guard. None of these things are outside of what you know and what you're watching over. So we bless you in each situation that your will will be completely done in your perfection. Uh, we bless you. We thank you for the praise we have for, for Gabriel's surgery going well. Pray for him and his family as they get through the recovery phase. But, uh, Lord, it's just a physical trial. Above all, you have uh, blessed this whole procedure. So we thank you for that. Give you honor and glory. We, Lord, we thank you for this time we come together. We can give you all praise and honor for your kingdom that does endure all generations, Lord, for a forever 
that is beyond our understanding. We bless you today, Lord Jesus. Have your way in our hearts. I pray you soften our hearts. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, Father, and what you're doing today. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
if heaven wants me So this world has lost its grip on me
Good morning. Well, that's one of my favorite songs. Uh, you know, I always have a few favorite songs, and uh, and but forever holy. That is truly one of my favorite songs, and it, it says in there, "Be it ever on our tongue," and I, I think that is such a great place because I see that that is Paul, um, what he's talking about here in. Romans 1. So if you'll turn with me, we're going to continue in Romans 1. It's on page 1294 if you're in the church's Bible. Page Last week we looked at the first part of chapter 1. Today we're going to finish that up. But I want to just touch uh, a few of the verses that we were looking at that will bring us into our understanding today. So looking at verse 16, chapter 1, verse 16. And Paul writes, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So we talked about that a little bit last week. Paul is, is excited to come and to preach the gospel of Christ. And we talked about what the gospel is, that uh, 1 Corinthians helps to define that for us. And, and it's the death of Jesus for our sins, that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world and that he was buried, and that he raised on the third day. And that is what Paul is talking about. And he says, in this place of Jesus dying on the cross, paying the penalty for your sins, is the power of God to salvation. He's saying God's laid out his plan, and through this plan there is power for your salvation for everyone who believes. And this place of believes gets so misguided and so uh, lost in understanding because this place that Paul is referring here is not in that I just believe that something happened, but it's a place of trusting enough that it changed your life, that you believed it enough that you were forever changed. That's one of the reasons I like that song. It says, may it be forever on my tongue. May I believe so much that it changes every part of me because he is holy. Verse 17 says, and he goes on, Paul says, for in it, so he's talking about in this power of salvation and in the gospel. He says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. So he's saying in the power of salvation, in the place of the gospel, in this place of his death, for, for our pen, paying the death for the penalty of our sins, and being buried and raised to be eternal. 
God was always eternal. Jesus was always eternal. But it is a picture of our understanding that he is raised up and that we can join into that place to be a new creation. And Paul's going to talk about that more today. So he says, in it is the righteousness of God is revealed. And we talked about righteousness and what righteousness is. And righteousness is God is always right. He is always right. He is always just. And it is consistent with his purpose and his plan. God was never wrong. He was never unjust. And he's never off of his purpose and plan. And we see that in the gospel, in his death, Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. God was right in what he was doing. It's the only way to justify sinful man. And then in uh, verse 17, Paul goes on to say, uh, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. In other words, he's saying just, the same word for just is righteousness. It's this place of holiness. It's this place of being set apart. It's this place of trusting that God does what is right, that he does what is just, and he's calling us to join up in that place of righteousness. And so he's saying that in this place, God has been revealed in this righteous manner, and he's saying those that are righteous, those that are saved, those that are truly justified by the death of Jesus, their lives will reflect that. They will live by faith in such a way that every part of their life would reflect the holiness of Jesus. Now, does that mean we won't sin? No, we do stumble and we do fall. And we do have to come to repentance. But I will tell you this, that those that are justified and those that are changed, then you are quick to see and quick to repent and quick to remove yourself from the darkness. So this is the place that Paul is coming. If you remember, this is a church he's writing to that he wants to introduce himself and his beliefs and the most powerful understandings that he has to give them a true understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he starts off in this place talking about this place of the gospel and laying out the very important fact that I think leads us into today's message, and that is that if you are justified, if you are saved. We were singing this song, uh, I'm cleansed and I am uh, sanctified and washed. I, that's what it was. I am cleansed. I am washed. I am sanctified. So this place of I've been cleansed of my sins by 
the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. I've been cleansed. I've been sanctified. I've been washed away, all these things. I've been set apart, and my life is going to live reflecting that place. So that's where he's coming with us right here. And starting uh, in verse 18, we'll have our message for today. And uh, it's in Romans 1. It's on page 1294. Verse 18, Paul writes, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So Paul is taking us from this statement of if you are truly a follower of Jesus, your life will reflect his righteousness to this place of there is a place of God's wrath. It's not a place we think about very often. And yet I think as you see today that Paul talked about it often. And it's a place that I believe that he wants to make us aware of that as a church, this has to be understood. You see, he's not writing to people outside the church. He's writing to the church in Rome. And he's saying, I want you to know the fullness of what I believe. And so if we dare not teach these understandings, I want to submit to you today that we've not taught the gospel. Because I believe what he is continuing to help us to understand is the fullness of the gospel, and you have to understand the wrath to understand the death and the burial and the resurrection. You have to understand before you can understand the good news of the gospel. So Paul is writing, and in this place where he says, for the wrath of God is, I I see that right there. It's not, it will be, and it's not that it was. So this is after Jesus' death, where all of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. That's true. This is not revelation where the wrath of of God will come down against the darkness of the world. But rather this is now, present tense. So I believe Paul is telling us in his day and in our day, there's still wrath of God. That's a troubling place. Not often do we talk about that. Not often do we want to see that. But, but it's, 
important. Paul is telling us this early in the letter. He says, you have to understand this before you understand anything else. This is so important. It is why mankind needs the gospel. Without understanding this, you don't even understand why Jesus truly died. It's just a story. It's something you can believe happened, but it has no power in it. Do you understand what I'm saying? That without understanding the wrath of God, you don't understand the power of the gospel to salvation. So it says in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So this place of, um, of Paul defining and helping us to understand some powerful places, if you, if you really uh, like to write in your Bibles as I do, I, I've underlined this place, the wrath of God is, and I circled that, and, it, and it's revealed against all ungodliness. Against all ungodliness. I, I love to look these words up, as, we, as you know. And so I looked this place up of ungodliness. And the best understanding is irreverence. A lack of respect for who God is, a lack of honoring God. So Paul is writing and he said, listen, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against people who are irreverent to the Most High God, people who do not honor God. with their lives. Their lives don't reflect him. And then he goes on to say, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. So this place of unrighteousness is a place of aligning to be in right standing with God. So righteousness means to be in right standing. Unrighteousness means to not be in alignment with God and to not be in right standing with God. To not, your life does not reflect that God is right. And that he is just and that his rightness and his justness is consistent with his plan and purpose. I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, we talk about a lot, and, and there's so much truth in this, the goodness of God. And wherein he is good, he is good here. Because he's always right. And he's always just. 
So when his wrath comes against unrighteousness and ungodliness, he is good because he is right. It says that the, the wrath of God comes against those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Those that push down, that hide away, that conceal, that suppress the truth of who God truly is. Oh, I look across our land. I look across our world. I look across our churches. And I see how we've taken the fullness of the truth of God and we've suppressed it because everybody doesn't want to hear that. I've been told by pastors that if you don't preach a certain amount of certain things, people won't come. You've got to suppress the truth a little bit. You've got to soften it a little bit. You've got to give something for people to be excited about. Paul didn't see it that way. You see, I believe that Paul saw the greatest of love that he could give to the people at the church of Rome was to give them the truth of who God is. Why? So they could be reverent and respectful and honoring of the great I am. You see, it says in the Bible, it says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I believe it was true in biblical days, and I believe it is found lacking in today's time. We don't have a fear of God. We teach this place that Jesus is our best friend, and he's our co-pilot, and he's our bud, and Oh, he's our homeboy. And Jesus is the great I am. Paul continues as he says that this wrath of God comes against those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, you know, not in alignment with him. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. They know these things, but they suppress these things. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So many times when you're talking with someone about the gospel and you come to the part and you said, 
You've got to believe. You've got to trust to be saved. The first thing people say is, what about the people on some foreign country, in some foreign country that never had an opportunity to know Jesus and they never got to hear about God? What about them? And it's always said in a way that it's a, I got you here. I can catch you right here. Paul apparently knew this was going on even back then. And he addresses this situation. And he says, listen, for since the creation of the world, he says, since the very beginning of, of creation, when God caused everything to be, his invisible attributes... He says, he's not visible, but you can see his attributes are clearly seen in all creation. And being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead. He, even in this place of him being the great I am, in his power, his eternal power are seen in the things that are made. Do you see that? The things that he made. So Paul is writing and he's saying, even if you haven't heard the fullness of the gospel, God has made himself known, even through creation. You see, you can look and you see every day the sun comes up. Are you expecting it to come up tomorrow? Yes. Are you expecting the seasons to change throughout the year? Yes. Are you expecting night to come? Yes. Are we expecting the, the green leaves to come back on the trees? Yes. Because what Paul is saying to us is if you can see that things are happening, there has to be a creator behind what is created. How much foolishness it is to believe that somewhere, somehow, there was a big bang and everything popped out and has been perfectly in order for all generations. How foolish it is to believe that out of some kind of chaos came order. The craziness to me is that people who be believe in this big bang theory believe that all these things happened and there was this big bang. What made the bang? What bam together? It's foolishness. And yet Paul is writing to us and he's saying that these things, these people are without excuse. They should believe. They have an opportunity is what he's saying. The opportunity has been given to them to believe. Verse 21, he goes on and he says, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. This is a place that he is helping us to understand his wrath is coming down even on these people who chose not to believe. 
They saw creation. They had every opportunity to recognize that only a holy God could have put these things in motion. And yet it says, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. I believe God is saying they do know way down inside of them. Have you ever talked to somebody that professes to be an atheist or agnostic? I think Paul is saying right here, they know. But they made the choice to not glorify him, nor were they thankful. They weren't thankful for all that God has done and is doing and is created. They didn't want to bow the knees. But I think Paul is saying they're without excuse. And the wrath of God will come against these places and is coming against those that are in these places. He goes on to say, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish thoughts were darkened. So what he is saying here is because they didn't choose to glorify God in the place of creation and all that they see that God is allowing them to see that he is here and that he did do these things, they did not glorify him, they were not thankful, and then it, now it says, and they, but became, so they came even darker. And it says became futile, foolish in their thoughts. So when it first happened, and they made a decision they were not going to align with the one who created all the creation, then they became more foolish in their thoughts. Even more foolish. And then it says, and then their foolish and their foolish hearts were darkened. This word darkened is, is a word that doesn't just mean that it got darker, it means that it's actually the, a sovereign action by God to darken their hearts. This is like Pharaoh. When Pharaoh's heart was first hardened, he made a decision to come against what God was asking of him. And then he, it hardened, he was hardened again. But then the next word, you'll remember, is a place where God hardened his heart. He aligned with what Pharaoh wanted, and he strengthened it in that place. Do you remember that? He strengthened the desire of Pharaoh's heart. This word is very similar to that. These people have chosen to not 
honor God in his righteousness with their lives and they have stood in opposition to who God truly is and they've become foolish and God has darkened their hearts. He's given them what they wanted. He strengthened this place. Verse 22 says, professing to be wise, they became fools. Boy, isn't that the truth? So many times as people come against the very truth of who God is, they profess to be the wisest in the conversation. They try to be haughty and prideful and set themselves up above this foolishness of believing in the great I am. And the Lord says through Paul, they, are, they became fools. They profess to be wise, but they became fools and changed the glory of incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So he's saying, and they made up their own things that they would worship that were corruptible. And of course, here in this day and time, they set up idols like birds and four-footed animals and creeping things to worship. So if you're reading this, we might say, yes, but we don't do that today. And I would say, oh my goodness, that is not truth. Because what we've done is change the glory of the incorruptible God into images of things like our job, our money, or even love that's a worldly love or sports or Hollywood whatever drives us whatever we worship and you might say well I don't worship money and I don't worship my job and I don't worship sports and I don't worship all these things food all these things that we set up as gods and I would tell you look at where you spend your time where you spend your thoughts you do worship mankind was made to worship And when we don't worship the Most High, the incorruptible God, we create our own things to worship. And that's what Paul is saying. Verse 24 says, Therefore God, who gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their heart, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So because they chose to not glorify God, not be thankful for who he is, not to recognize who he is. It says, therefore, God gave them up. God gave them up. That is such a scary phrase to me. 
in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Because we truly have chosen not to honor God and be reverent in the righteousness that he deserves, his wrath is poured out even to the point of where he dusts his hands. And gives them over to the lust of their hearts, to the desires of their hearts. Do you see that? This world is full of lust, of passions that are drawing you away from who God is into worshiping the things of this world. Look at the magazines. Look at the TV commercials. Do you see lust anywhere in there? A lust to have more things. A desire to have more things. A desire for um, everything, really. Not just more, but everything. And everything is laced with sexual intent to bring your lust and partake of what they're offering. It says when God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And Paul says, Amen. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Oh my goodness, how many people are deceived Believing that their lust and their passion is okay with God because Jesus died. That grace has covered it. One of the things God showed me yesterday in this place, and it says, and worshipped and served the creature, the created thing, rather than the creator. And I saw this all like I'd never seen it before. It popped off the page and I realized what Paul is saying because he's going from this place of vile passions and lust and he's going to go into even more of these places. He's talking about serving and worshiping your flesh. So what he's saying here is that who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the flesh of man, the desires of man, rather than the creator. 
Paul is saying God's turned you over to yourself and you are headed down this road of worshiping and serving your own desires of the flesh rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And I love that right there. And then Paul says, amen. What happened is Paul is writing and he's saying, rather than worshiping the creator, the great I am. And then he, and he can't help it. He just goes into this place. And he says, who is blessed forever. I could almost see Paul jumping up right here from his letter and saying, praise you, Lord. And may it be so. May you be blessed forever may it be so but Paul continues on with this understanding and he says for this reason for this reason that they have worshipped and started serving their own desires and their own ways for this reason God gave them up to vile passions they've gone even darker for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. The way that God established women and men to be, they've, they've given it up. And they've gone to uh, what is against how God designed these places to be. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which is due. People say there's no place in the Bible that talks against homosexuality. I would dare to disagree with you. Paul is talking about that exactly. He's saying women have gone from being who they were created to be, men have gone from who they were created to be to wanting their own relationships, women with women, men with men. People fail to realize that right before that it says God gave them up to vile passions. This is what caused it. Because they weren't thankful in their hearts and they didn't glorify him and they didn't worship who God is. We see this going on in our society. We see it in America. We see it in the world. But I want to tell you something that is sobering is that I believe the church has done a poor job in standing against and in alignment with Paul's writings here and against this happening in our churches. Because the church has come to a place of embracing and acknowledging and not truly loving in a way to say this is against how God created man and woman.
you see people come back with the argument and they say we were born this way. Okay. There are children born in drug addiction. We don't leave them there. We don't promote it. There are children born every day with dark spirits such as anger and We don't leave them there. But the greatest argument for that is, is to understand that yes, we're all born in sin. So thank you for coming in agreement with God that you were born in sin. God doesn't want to leave you there. People ask me all the time, and they say, so if someone is homosexual and wants to come to your church, what will you say? I will say, you are welcome and loved. But I will not fail to teach the truth of God. That God would not turn you over to vile passions. You see, I was born with a controlling spirit. I was born with a spirit of fear. I was born with a sexual spirit that caused me lots of darkness throughout my younger years. But at 52 years old, the gospel became real for me. And the darkness I was born in, I had an opportunity to be set free. And Jesus became so real to me because I saw him pay the price for my penalty, for my death, And my life was changed. That I might walk in a way only by his grace as a new creation glorifying God and thankful for what he has done. Paul goes on to write In verse 28, he says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting. This word debased is interesting. It is a word that means failed to pass the test. This place of fail to pass the test. God gave them over 
to a place that failed to pass the test of his righteousness. Failed to pass the test. So he gave them over, gave their mind over to do the things which are not fitting. You see, so sometimes we don't understand that God's wrath might be working in our lives because of things and choices that we've made. Because it says, Paul writes in verse 29, that he, he turned them over to things like being filled with unrighteousness, things that are not in alignment with God. Sexual immorality. You can look this word up in several different places throughout the Bible, and it uh, oftentimes is used as fornication. And that fornication comes out of the word pornea. Pornea. Am I saying that right, Daniel? Close enough. That word is where we get the word pornography. Somehow, we have kind of blinked an eye and winked at this place of pornography and and felt like, well, it's not, you know, the biggest sin. It's not adultery. It's just this. And somehow we've excused this place because many times people say, men, this, this is just the way God made men. I have heard people tell me that. This is just the way men are made. Yes, you were born in sin. Thank you. But just as God didn't want to leave me in my controlling spirit that was against him, he doesn't want to leave you there either. The question is not whether you have to stay there. The question is, is whether you want to stay there. And women as well. The, the society has come to a place where women are in as much pornography almost as men. Wickedness. This word is, would explain like a criminal, someone who's doing evil. Covetness, wanting beyond what God has allowed you to have, thirsting after just everything that's out there, desire to have more and more and more covetousness, covetousness, maliciousness, uh, full of envy. That's jealousy, jealousy, murder, strife, creating uh, division, creating quarrels, deceit. Um, being deceitful, um, exploiting someone that might be naive, evil-mindedness. I looked this word up, and, and it was a place of, of, um, of um, I'm sorry, I looked this word up, and I looked to see, and I didn't write it down. But it was, oh, the intent to do evil. Evil-mindedness is an intent to do evil. Whisperers, gossipers, backbiters, haters of God, those who are against God, who've turned away from God. Violent, 
violent, rage, anger, proud, haughty, feeling like you're above everyone else, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, not having the wisdom of God, untrustworthy, mm. Do we see these things in our world today? Unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. God says, you wander off into your own ways, your own desires. He'll turn you over to these things. It will get darker and darker and darker and darker. But the thing I want you to see, it says, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things, those who continue to stay in it, it wasn't that you slipped into being boastful or prideful and God said, hey girl, get out of that right now and you had a place to repent. That's not who Paul's talking about. That's a person who lives in a state ready to repent. But this is someone who has accepted and justified that they're okay. And they've practiced it. They continue it. And it says such things are deserving of death. In other words, there's no salvation here. Jesus died for everyone, but only those who would Believe, believe in enough that it would change their lives. Not that they continue in the darkness. If you continue in the darkness, as it says in Hebrews 10, 26, it says there's no sacrifice. You've chosen. What's Interesting about this to me is Paul is not writing this to people outside the church. He's writing this to the church. I want to show you just a couple of quick things. And um, look in Galatians 5. It's on page 1341. Because Paul was so serious about this that he wrote it in almost every letter that he wrote. So if you look in chapter 5, verse 16, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He's saying if you walk in right standing with God, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusts against the spirit. He says they're in war against each other. And the spirit against the flesh. Now, some people take that and they go, oh, my goodness, my flesh is just warring against my spirit. Bless my heart. That is not what Paul is saying. He just said, if you walk in the spirit, you won't walk in the flesh. But he's saying they're at enemies with each other. They are not working together and you're okay. He says, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. He's, saying, he's not saying it's just bless your heart, you just wish you weren't doing this. He's saying if you're walking in the flesh, you don't do this is what he's saying there. He's not giving an excuse and justifying it. Well, bless my heart, I just tried, but I couldn't help it. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill you won't do the things in the flesh and and then he comes back and he says because they're at war with each other and so he says so that you do not do the things that you wish he's saying walk in the spirit so that you don't do these things but if you are led by the spirit you're not under the law in other words the law of sin and death has no authority over you, right? Amen? Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, which is lustful impurities, by the way. Any kind of sexual immorality. Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, Envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalry, and the likes of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He is preaching this to a church. He's saying you're staying in these things and you're foolish-minded. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not. That's what he says. Let's look at one more place. Um, page 13, 14. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 8. Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, no, you yourself do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. See, he's writing to a church again. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkenness, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul writes again in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and you can read that some point in time. 
But what I want you to understand is that Paul over and over and over again wrote to the church and said, do you not understand? And yet we don't preach this. Jesus died. Absolutely he did. People said, do you not believe in grace? Oh my goodness. Only by God's grace could I have been taken out of the darkness. Only by his plan of grace was my penalty paid. You remember the word sozo, and I, I love it. That place of, of being saved means to take you out of the darkness and bring you into safety. Paul is saying that those people are the justified. Their lives have been justified by the blood of Jesus. The price has been paid. And the just, that group of people, will live by faith. Their lives will reflect the righteousness of who he is. If you're here today and some of these places ripped at your heart and the Lord is speaking to you and saying you cannot stay in this place, I pray that what you would hear today is the very first message that Jesus brought to people and it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You're not okay if you're still walking in these places. God, love has given you an opportunity to be here today, to see the truth, and to have the opportunity to turn. That's the good news of the gospel. <laughs> this message doesn't end in destruction. It ends with hope in the gospel, but only if you receive it and your life turns and reflects it. Stand with me, please.
Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the fires of sin, I Yeah.